All right, turn to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis 35. And as I uh, look through my heart and what the church needs, and a lot of times we'll, we will teach on things that some people have no need for, but it's the, it's the Bible and it's, it's uh, doctrine. And we'll do sometimes character studies and, and uh, just uh, looking at people in the Bible and their examples and in samples and learning from them. And we want to look at this on spiritual leadership Within the family, the leadership and then spiritual fellowship within the family. If you have someone who's, a, who's in a position of leadership, they, they need to take that charge and do it properly and have God's help. And then there's others that are going to be followers. They need to accept their position and do that right. Then you have a wonderful balance uh, in the family, and it will eliminate... Huh, It'll eliminate so many struggles. If, the, if, the, if these two components are, just do their part, it's like it, the family becomes a good, well-working machine, but also growing together. So we're here in Genesis 35, and we need to learn from Jacob because Jacob, you know, he had a big family. He had 12. 12 kids and two wives and, and two midwives, or not midwives, but concubines. You know, and think about that. He, he was dealing with four women. He was dealing with 12 kids and then kids who had kids. And, and, uh, but he's the patriarch of the family. And he's passing on the covenant that God made and the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant passed on through him. And so God built the nation of Israel out of Jacob, not out of, of Abraham. Because Abraham's father of all the faithful which is us too, spiritual children of God. And so, but Jacob is father of Israel. So he has a huge task before him. Let's look here in verse 35. This is after all of his children have been born. They've all grown. Uh, they've all had their own. There's a lot going on. It's a, it's a, it's a tribe. I mean, these are a big group of people here that are living under Jacob's authority. And so in verse uh, 1 of chapter 35, it says, God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, which is the house of God, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Had to do some changing there, right? To seek God, there was going to be some uh, a change. And he says, Let us arise. He, he, he didn't say, I'm going up there by myself. He's taking the whole clan. The whole family's going. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with, uh, was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods that were in their hand. Now what are they doing there? What are these strange gods doing in their hand? Because there's a tendency to always go back and grab a hold of something that you once let go. I don't know why we're that way, and Israel was the worst at it. 
they had a horrible problem with idolatry. That's why God always told them, you cannot have any type of idol or graven image at all. You cannot serve false gods. You are my special chosen people. And so we don't go out and serve idols. We don't have our little figurines that we bow down and worship to. And uh, you go to any donut palace in the region, you're going to find a little altar to that god of the Vietnamese. And uh, you know, that's what they do. Why? They're idolaters. They're ignorant. But when God's people's doing it, there's something really wrong there. So, that, you know, so they're, they're picking up gods along the way. You know, it, why does God's people... We see thing out, something out in the world that really that's benefiting them, they think, and then they think, I wonder if that could help me. I'll grab that along the way and take it with me as I go through my life uh, as an Israelite indeed. And I, I think it's just strange. But Jacob, coming off the tough times that he had just gone through of major failure within the family, major regret, um, my, you know, the things that he had done and, the, and his family had done. The, the, the passage before that is really interesting. He had one daughter and 12 sons. So I'm sorry, he had a daughter, so that makes 13, right? He had one daughter and 12 sons. The daughter's lonely. She, she can't have friendship with her sons, her brothers. She needs friend, companionship. And it says she went out to see the daughters of the land to make friends. Isn't that what all Christians think they need to do? I need to go make some friends. And, you, you know, and it is a, a need. But they go out and make friends, and she finds that she's making the wrong friends because there's no good friends out there to make in Shechem. And she gets defiled by a young man. She learns evil ways. Uh, She's ruined, for, scarred for life, we'll say. Uh, they took away her virginity, and then her brothers get really mad about it and go get revenge. Like the good old days. You, you defiled my sister. You're getting it, buddy. And uh, two of them in particular, Simeon, Simeon and Levi, actually go and kill many men in the city of Shechem. They, they, I mean, they go beyond just killing the man that did the, the sin and the crime. They kill every man in the town. So something's bad's going on there. There's a major breakdown. These are things that God's people just don't do, yet they're doing it. Notice in 1 John 5, I think the last verse in there says, keep yourselves from idolatry. And he's talking to his own people. Let's all keep ourselves from idolatry. Well, he says, I'm in big trouble here. The whole region hates my guts and wants us all dead. And notice, they're strangers and pilgrims in, the, in this area. They don't have a, a ranch and a home and they have business in town and all these things. They're basically Bedouins, and they're out shepherding, have huge flocks, and they're eating up the grass around them. It's called free grazing. Yeah, and people around there wanting to do something about it. So Jacob says, I'm in trouble. And he tells his, his sons, you know what y'all did? You made us to stink and to the people out there. Our name is spoiled for what you did. Now, it started with Dinah. I go back and say it started with somebody didn't pay attention and watch Dinah. 
somebody failed to protect the daughter because they're busy. So she goes out and it all commences and she gets defiled. So there's a breakdown in family harmony of everyone looking out for one another. And her 12 older brothers should not have allowed this to happen to begin with. They're too busy doing their life, you know, to care. And so this is a dominoes all the way down to this to where Jacob says, I've got to get out of here. We've got evil coming our way if we don't. And so that's why God says, well, if you need to leave, I'll tell you where to go. Go to Bethel. That's why the first verse he says, I need you to get back to Bethel. All right? So what does he do? He, uh, he commands his house to prepare for the journey. Hey, we're going to take a journey. We don't know if we'll ever come back this way. Um, and I'm not so sure. I don't think they ever did. But he says, we're going up to Bethel in the north. And we're going to take this journey. And he says, arise in verse 3 and let us go up to Bethel. By the way, all are going, no exceptions. Nobody's getting left out. No one left behind. The whole family will go. I'll make there an altar to God. So what's he going to do? He's going to renew his relationship with God. He's going to rededicate the family to going back and living the way he was taught by his father, Isaac. And, you know, Isaac was dealing with two sons, and one of them went bad. What about Jacob, who's dealing with 12 cantankerous sons who all have their own way, and he's got to deal with that. He really needs God. So he's going to seek the Lord. He says, we're going back up there, and I'm going to make an altar, and we're going to all rededicate. So... He says, we're going back to Bethel. That's that famous song. Back to Bethel. I must go. Got to. Got to go. Because that's where the good blessings flow. That's where it's got. I'm going to go back and renew once again what I set out to do, but I failed in some things and let these things go. So in verse 4, it says that the family concedes. How did they concede? They gave unto Jacob all their strange gods which were in their hand. I find that so fascinating and strange. What are they doing carrying around false gods? Now we know that when one of their mothers, Rachel, stole her dad's gods when they left Syria, Padanaram, and they came back into the promised land, they stole her dad's gods. And she hid them in her tent but who's to say these aren't her gods that she brought, so she's messing up her own sons? I hope you all are with me on this. Thinking about how, you know, the things that a parent does has every, man tremendous effect on their children and don't even realize how effective it is or destructive it is until way down the line. All right? So they concede. What else does it say they do? It says, all their earrings, which were in their ears. <laughs> they they were all got to wearing earrings. Man, I remember when men started wearing earrings in the early 80s is when it kicked in. And a famous guy started it named Michael Jordan. And nobody was going to say call him a sis or a wimp or a girl because they were he was a god. They were worshiping Michael Jordan. So he started out putting the earring right here. Now, 
You want to know something funny? I don't know if it's still this way or not. You know, I was kind of, uh, I was trying to be observant when I was young. I was young back then, saved and watching what's going on, and I noticed something strange took place. Y'all remember Mr. Clean, the genie, Mr. Clean? All right? Now, Mr. Clean, a genie has earrings in both ears. He's a genie. You know, they, you just go back in time, and, and I don't even know if they're real or not, but that doesn't matter. But Mr. Clean had earrings in both ears, the big hoop ones. Well, guess what? Michael Jordan started wearing an earring in his left ear. And lo and behold, one day I looked at the container of a Mr. Clean, and old Mr. Clean's missing an earring out of his right ear. I said, you got to be kidding. Even the genies are following Michael Jordan. And so preachers everywhere started preaching against earrings on men. Mainly because of this passage. Actually, preachers started saying, jewelry on men altogether. Don't, I mean, you don't need it, men. Uh, just more trouble anyway. Why would you want, you know, anyway. What do you say? Let's get them out of our life here. Let's get them out. You know, and this is interesting to me because they didn't go, you know, Dad, I know it wasn't right, but we have a lot of money in this. We put money in these things. We put time in these things. These things are, they mean something to me. He said, so what? Give them to me. He hid them under a tree. He hid them under a tree. I always wonder, did anybody else go and uh, under a big old oak like that thing right there? Did anybody else know where he hid them or did he hide them when nobody else was looking? He went out under an oak. I always find that also strange. Why would you hide them? Melt them down, burn them like, like Moses did, grind them to powder. You know, Moses ground his to powder and made the people drink it. Put it in water and said, you drink your own ways, bud. Well, they're going to get right with God. They're going to get them out of their life. So notice what he says here. We're getting rid of our strange gods. We're getting rid of our strange clothes. We're getting rid of our earrings on the men, and we're going to go seek the Lord. Isn't that what it says? Don't you think that when, if a person kind of uh, strays away from the Lord, uh-oh, and usually what will happen if you do that, bad times are coming. And then when they come, there's a, oh, oh, yeah, supposed to be serving God up at Bethel. Let's get right back with God and go back to Bethel. Well, there's some things you got to change a little bit to go to Bethel. You don't just show up to Bethel as you are. You get rid of some things and you show up and God renews the covenant with you. And, I, and they were blessed from here on out. And so Jacob is so worried. We're going to get it for this. You know, he's telling his sons, what y'all did to the Shechemite city. They could come in and wipe us out anytime and kill us all. At any time they want. And he, he said, I'm so afraid. of the, I don't know what to do. Well, he went to Bethel and he said, I'm going to serve God. So in verse 5, it says, They journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. God protected Jacob and his family because they were obeying and headed up to Bethel. 
and nothing is going to stop them when they, until they get to Bethel. All right, now look what it says in verse 6. And so Jacob came to Luz. Luz is the original, is the heathen name for Bethel. It's where he went when he saw the, the uh, stairway to heaven. It wasn't a stairway, it was a ladder going up and down to heaven. He saw that here in Luz. Luz. And he said, I'm changing the name to Bethel because the, the, the house of God is right here. This is where God comes down and met with me. Right, And he made a covenant with him. And it says it was in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all of his people that were with him, and he built there an altar called the name of the place El Bethel, that's the God of the house of God. Sometimes people worship the house of God and the church of God and the place of God and not the God of the place. So he says he's the God of the house of God. Because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother, which is the face of his brother, uh, Esau. So he's going to renew, he's grown. He's going to renew the covenant. He's going to renew his faith. And guess what? As soon as he does, oh boy, everything becomes hunky-dory. Everything is rose garden, sunny days. No trouble hits. Oh, we're, we got—we finally got on blessing ground. We're going to be—we're going to grow a while. No, you know what happened as a result? Deborah, right there in verse eight, one of Rebecca's Rebecca's nurse died. His mother's nurse that had been with him his whole life, she dies. So he's having a loss of a woman who's been around his whole life. She dies. Right after that, Rachel dies. His favorite wife, Rachel, dies. Right after that, verse 27, his daddy dies. Isaac, the second of the great patriarchs, dies. And then after that, the family's going to have a major split. Now, in, in chapter 36, it's a parenthetical on the, the uh, families of Esau and, and his uh, ancestry. So you go over to 37, and then it, it says uh, that the, the, you know, the history is going to kick back in. And what happens? There's going to be a family split, brothers against brothers, because Jacob's going to become hated. Not Jacob, Joseph. Joseph is going to become hated. He's going to become, he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be sold into slavery. And they're going to lie to their dad and say that he's dead. I always find it also fascinating, a little, little, little side note. When Jacob went in to steal his brother's birthright, which you all know these stories. When he went in to steal his brother's birthright, he covered himself with coats of skins. So they slew a goat and put that on him. He wore it in and deceived his dad and stole the birthright. Well, guess what? When his... Brothers do this dastardly deed to their little brother. They bring back a coat of skins covered in blood. And they, and, and they also, it's a coat of what? Many colors. And they said, hey, is this your son's? He, they knew he would know this is Joseph's. And he is reaping through his favorite son the error of his ways. And we're talking 30 years later. 
You know, sometimes you wonder why something bad happens to you now. You're probably reaping at something that you did long ago and possibly even forgot. But if you'll put your head through there and go, oh, yeah, I'll go back. I remember that. Not always, but I think a, a, a wise and prudent and spiritual person will try to figure, Am I, is this a sowing and reaping thing? Is this God trying to purge me and make me better? What is this? Or is this just the natural occurrences of life? And try to figure out why are these things happening to me? God will probably lead you. So Jacob finally gets control of his family. And from here on out, he's going to rule his family well. All right? So when you go back to verse 3 of chapter 35, which is what we're... the, the uh, Chapter in question. He says, let us arise. Now, I like this. He didn't say, hey, y'all think we ought to go? Or would it be okay with you if we go? Or did he say, y'all think y'all can find time out of your busy schedules to go? He said, get up and we're going. That's a good, that's a dad right there. Just get up. Let's go seek God. We're going together. That's what he said. And he commanded his family to put away the idols and seek God with him. So, we're going to get rid of all the things and the bad habits and the compromises and the bad influences, the bad looks, really, that accumulated along the road of life. We're going to clean up. You know, that kind of, that's just what you need to do sometimes. Do a, if you're going to spring clean your house, when do we do that here? January. It's time, y'all. It's time. If you're going to spring clean your house, don't you ought to think you ought to spring and clean out your life and get rid of the debris that kind of settled in there and it snuck in? It's time. Put them away. And we're getting right. So you tell us, you know, hey, you know what? It's wholesale time. The whole family's getting right. The whole family. We're getting right together. So here's family leadership. I'll say some things and then we'll be done for the morning. But here's good leadership of the family. Just learning off this one story here. Um, Jacob wants them all to understand and live according to his sentiments. He's calling them to his side, basically. He's saying, I want you to understand me. We're going back to my roots. You're going back to my roots. You can go find your own someday, but you only go find your own when you get right with God. Really. Then you can find your own. But as of now, you're going to my roots with me, and this is what it is. So number one, he, he exhorts them. He gives them an exhortation. You get with me and go. He's going to take them back to the past where he met the Lord. He's going to take them back to his past when he made some commitments to his God. He told God, I'm going to tithe from here on out. I'm going to give you 10% from here on out. He told God, I will not follow strange gods ever again. You will be my God for the rest of my life. These are major commitments that he made to his God. He's basically saying we're going to all go back to when it all began. So in my case, it'd be 1982, early June. I made a commitment to the Lord to get right with God. He changed my whole life. I'm trying to hold up to those commitments. I try to draw my family to those commitments. 
every once in a while. Hey, it's time. Let's go back to Bethel where it all began. We're going to go back and renew. And, uh, and by the way, all these bad things happened to lead him into the way to victory uh, later in life. So by taking them into the past, and this is important. I want you to think about your own family for a minute. If you take them back to the past, take them back to your better days. They usually don't want to hear it. Wield some power and make them. All right, so you're going to listen to this. I'm going to take you back to my past, my better days, when God got a hold of me. And what you're going to do by that is you're going to build a better future for them by looking back to your past. So he says, we're going to do this. Exhort them to do it. Then number two, you're going to comfort them as he did because Jacob related to their lives. He had the same issues they did. He had the same problems. So what he's going to do is, you know, if you're dealing with a, a, a teenager and you're dealing with a kid or anybody, you're dealing with a young adult you, and you're older, you say, listen, I know you don't believe this. You, you probably don't even realize it. I was a kid once. I was a teenager once. I was trying to build a family once. I remember those days. I struggled. I had things I had to do and grow and change. Here's the issues I went through. I can relate to you. See, that's a comfort to your kids when you go, I can, I've been where you are and I understand. I understand. What a lot of parents would do is hide all their past issues from their kids so they think they were perfect. <clears throat> well, you relate to them. So recall your journeys of life. You can admit your mistakes. Uh, and by the way, it takes a discerning parent to, to, to know what to say to their kids about their past and when to tell them. All this is very important. To, I do this at the right time. That will help them as they grow. Okay? I hope you all understand what I'm saying. Your fears of life, nothing wrong with telling your fears, and your triumphs. This is what you want to do. So basically what you're doing is you're giving them the family legacy and uh, saying, we have a legacy. He's telling them, we're the children of Abraham. We don't get to be like other people, and we really ought not want to be like other people. Why would you want to succumb to the rest of them when God has given you such a lofty opportunity? We are children of God. By faith in Jesus Christ. We don't need to be like the rest of them. Uh, so number one, you exhort. And this is all found in 1 Thessalonians, by the way. If we want to look at that next week. But number one, you give them an exhortation. We're doing this. Number two, you give them a comfort. I've been there. I can relate to you. You know, they always say, you can't relate. Yes, I can. I've been there. I've been there. And some of us suffered worse than they did. They just don't know it. But I've been there. I understand your problems. And then number three, you give them a charge like he did. Get rid of the baggage. Get rid of the worldly, the world. Get the idols out of your life and start living like patriarch. You know, it's interesting because 
we'd go back and we'd say, hey, the times of the patriarchs, the 12 patriarchs. Well, these were the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true patriarchs, the patriarchs who started the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, were these sons that basically uh, he's telling them, you're going to get, it's time to get right. Now, you want to do a little study, go back and look what happened to Judah in chapter 38. He had some horrible times before he got right. But he, had some, he went through the same thing. He had a son named Pharez, which means the breach. He was breach birth. Pharez turned out to be the great one who built the, the uh, tribe of Judah. That Judah became a great tribe through. It was, it was Judah's son. And through his son, he got right with God. You know, the, the inner workings of the family are very important. So you're basically telling them. This is who we are. This is our life. People, kids need an identity, I think. I think teenagers truly need an identity. And then people who are starting out a family. You know, I was told when you're starting a church, the best way to go, place to go is on the, in the burbs. Go to the suburbs where the cities are booming. And people are coming in, buying their first-time homes, and they're getting in heavy debt. And they're buying these homes out there. Castorville's starting to fill up. There it is. And it said, go to those because these are people who are trying to build a family, and they don't really have a true identity. They've left their old staunch uh, families behind who are Protestants. You know, my grandpa was a Lutheran. My great-grandpa was a Lutheran. When they came over to the ship in the 1840s as a German, they were Lutherans. I'm going to be a Lutheran and die as a Lutheran. That's, and they don't even really have a real faith reason behind it. Well, you go after those who are pulling out of that, trying to build a family. You want to give people an identity. This is who we are. I think this is a, a proper thing to do. I think it gives an exciting hope for the future. I think uh, in, in Jacob's case, it, it's almost like he went silent for a while. In Jacob's case, it unctioned the family to follow him. Man, this is worth following. This is worth following. And it delivered him from his sins of the past to this wonderful, bright future. And... Uh, at this point, Jacob quit being a conniver and a supplanter and a deceiver and trying to work his own ways, and he just took what, he just took it as the Lord gave, and the Lord blessed. And so, uh, there's a lot more to learn on this. Probably talk about it some next week. But very important to understand leadership and fellowship. And you say, well, I'm trying to lead. I can't get them to follow. Well, the Lord will help you. If you're doing it by faith, the Lord will help you, and he'll give you grace. All right, let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Father, as we uh, finish the lesson, we humble ourselves before thee and ask that you'll bless uh, our families, our lives, our reputations for thee, our testimonies. Father, we do want to be blessed, but we want to please thee above all things. That's most important to fear the Lord and love you with all of our hearts. 
And we, we humble ourselves and ask, please give us those that are under us, that are following, and to open the hearts of our children and our grandchildren to follow, to understand and to get it, and to see the great legacy of the Christian faith, and to, that they would all come to reality, that they would say, this is what I want, I understand now, I know who I am. And I pray that you'd give us wisdom to help them and not to provoke our children to wrath. And we ask for your grace and help in Jesus' precious name. Amen.